0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gaming Couch, where we sit back and talk about video games, board games, card games, and the like. So pull up a chair, put your feet up, and let's have a good time. Hello again, wonderful people. To another episode. <clears throat> I was sitting one way in my chair, realized I wasn't comfortable, so I had to reposition. Fantastic. Uh, you know, earlier in the week... I decided to sit down, and I watched a Let's Play of the game, A Way Out. This game came out a couple of years ago. Story of these two guys who break out of prison and go on a revenge quest, pretty much. I really, really enjoyed everything about the Let's Play, both the commentary and jokes coming from the group, which is Friends Without Benefits. I think they're great. But I also enjoyed just how the game is set up as a co-op style between the two characters, Vincent and Leo. I never had a chance myself to, like, play it, so I feel if I did, I would have really enjoyed it at the time. Like, it's nothing innovative in terms of, like, gameplay, in terms of, like, there's some gunplay and puzzle-loving and stuff like that. But there are times, like, various set pieces. At one point, they are running through this hospital trying to escape the cops, and the characters get separated. So instead of the two players playing at the same time, they have this really awesome transition where, like, the character controlling Vincent will be running through a hall... And then they'll reach, you know, they'll bust through this door, and as they bust through the door, there'll be a vent, and the camera will, like, just, as, like, a movie, the camera will just pan to the vent and move through the vent, and then on the other side of the vent, you'll see Leo, who just turned a corner, now that player's in control again. So, it demands that both players be attentive at all times, so that whenever the baton is passed between who's in control at the time, they're ready, it also keeps both players engaged in terms of, like, oh, shit, they're still trying to talk to one another to, like, best way to get through this hospital, so I think it was really cool. You know, it, it, I liked those pieces. Like, it was very unique in certain ways. So it got me thinking as I'm watching this Let's Play. Like, I'm thinking about the co-op games. Like, the co-op scene of games is really left to tabletop games. In the most part, like, I had an episode about Rangers of Shadow Deep a while ago. And the episode Jolly Co-op. But there's also, like, board games and card games. Like, Sentinels of the Multiverse. The XCOM board game. Arkham Horror. Stuff like that. They do great for co-op narratives and co-op experiences where each player has a different set of abilities in terms of who they pick as a character that require them to work with everyone else to achieve a goal, you know, to win the game. You know, in Arkham, each investigator has a varying set of, like, numbers that you have a scale that you could pick for your stats, as well as, like, unique abilities and things like that. So some people are better at finding clues, others are better at fighting. Sentinels each pick a superhero, and each superhero is, you know set for a certain set of abilities which is really cool. Now, down the road I would like to actually do an episode and kind of break these things down, maybe like the next episode or something later this month. But today that isn't going to be the focus. And today I want to look at video games that do this. The video games that have this really awesome unique co-op aspect. Cuz I'm not talking like your standard co-op cuz there are co-op games, excuse me, out there. But many times it's like a carbon copy kind of thing, like you will know, take Halo, for example. In that first-person shooter, there's obviously Master Chief, but when you want to do multiplayer, like in Halo 1, co-op campaign, there's just a second Master Chief there, who plays just like Player 1, same everything. It's just, it's Controller 2 instead of Controller 1. All right, so that is co-op, yes, 100%. And those are fun in their own right. I want to look at the games where... If you're player one, what you're doing is completely different than player two. You're both trying to do the same thing. You're both trying to win the game, achieve the goal, because you're co-op partners. Yet, what you do to get there is different. So, it's like a role. You have a role, and the role you have requires a different set of skills than the other role has for you to win. Kind of like Sentinels of the Multiverse, everyone plays a superhero, or it's like World of Warcraft. Where you pick a class, you know, each superhero, each class has a set of skills that makes them better for, like, tanking or DPS or support or whatever. And it's through that cooperation that, you know, you do the thing, whatever the thing is. Now, of course, this could all be that I'm a teacher. That's why I love these games. I feel these kind of co-op games require some critical thinking, require some communication between people of various roles to get to that goal. Like it's it's group work. It's te- it's team stuff that you do in class. Much more fun though. There was even this video I saw a while ago of this guy who was giving a small presentation to a small group of like educators talking about it. he's like by the way, World of Warcraft is a great teaching experience because he talked about like the various skills and things like that that you need in the game to work with others. And I love it. But I'm not going to talk about World of Warcraft, though I am very interested in vanilla. I think it's coming out, like, this month or next month. I might get into that, because I used to play Burning Crusade. Really enjoyed it. Anyway, talking about non-MMORPGs, because those you could play single player. You don't have to do those cooperatively. I'm looking at games that you need co-op for, you know, to, to do the thing. And the first one is keep talking and nobody explodes. Back in October of 2015, this game was released, and I just kind of stumbled upon it. And I'm so happy that I did so. Right, the game is a simple one. There's a player trapped in a room with a bomb, and every time you hit the play button, the bomb is randomly created. You can do like what I call story bombs, where it's like, oh, it'll have it's focused on these kind of things, or you can do like a free play that it just you just say what you want, like how many modules, how much time, go. So yeah, they're in this room with the bomb, and obviously you gotta disarm the bomb. The problem is, there's a bunch of shit on the bomb. There's, like, different modules that they have to disarm. And when you look at the bomb, you have no idea what the fuck you're doing to disarm those modules, because, again, it's randomized every time. You can't memorize it. So, yeah, you're there. Then, there's the other player. They have a manual in front of them. And the manual gives instructions of, based on what you see on the bomb, what to do to disarm each module. And then, of course, when you disarm all the modules, the bomb is then disarmed, and you win. Now... Where does the co-op come in? Well, like I said, player one sitting at the computer with the bomb in front of them can look at the bomb all they want, but they don't have the manual. They're not allowed to look at the manual and vice versa. Player two, the expert, the one who's looking at the manual, can never look at the bomb. So here's where the keep talking part of the name comes into play. You need to be talking. There needs to be communication that's constantly going so you can achieve the ultimate goal of disarming this bomb. Because if no one's talking, then that must mean that you're working on some module and you're figuring it out. Because otherwise, you're just sitting there wasting time. Now, I I love it when you have, like, three or four people. You get one person on the bomb, and then you have, like, two or three experts, people who are looking at the manuals. And that, I find, is there's just enough people that you can achieve some of the harder bombs. But there's not too many cooks. You know, there's not too many people talking. Because some of those bombs, like, if you want to, you can have, like, 11 modules. You have to solve them, like, three minutes. It's actually a thing that can happen. And each module is its own little puzzle. So if you have, like, three people that all have manuals, you know, each person has to do, that's what, like, three, maybe four modules each? And you just say, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this. And go. And they just do their thing. And then, as I'm going like, you get the information you need. So this is, again, it's keep talking. Nothing else matters besides the communication skills. Obviously, being able to read the manual really helps, obviously. Though communication is key. It doesn't matter how good of a reader you are. If you cannot communicate things to the other player, you're going to fail. 100%. It's like you need to be able to describe things. Let's say you're sitting in front of that bomb and you say five wires. The wires are black, blue, yellow, red, black. That's a simple one, but let's say you get the complex wires where there's stripes, stars, and LEDs. You need to be able to clearly indicate what each wire has. That way, the person with the manual can paint this pretty little picture in their mind, and they essentially will see what you're seeing because you're very clear with everything. And on the flip side, communication in terms of clarifying questions. Some of the modules, like the complicated wires that I just mentioned, where it's like a white and blue striped wire with the LED on. Depending on whether that falls on the Venn diagram you have for the module, it might say, cut if blank, like if there's a certain port on the bomb. Now again, you're not looking at the bomb, you're like, wait, is this, is this on the bomb? Is uh, the serial number, does it have, does it end in a vowel? Is there a number in it? How many batteries do you have? You know, this is information that the player at the bomb has at all times, though you need to think, as a team, When's the time to get that information? Because not every module cares how many batteries there are. So the one time when I was playing with my friends, and we just started playing, I would give that information, and be like, oh, it has this many batteries, da, da da da. I would just kinda like say everything I saw right away and then we start diffusing it. And at one point my friend's like, you know what? Actually, hold up. Don't tell me how many batteries are on it. Unless I ask. Because as much as it's like, okay, it takes me what? Five to like five, six seconds to say how many batteries are on the bomb. The fact is, that is five, six seconds that no one's doing anything because I'm checking batteries. So it's like, you know what? yeah, oh I will only see how many batteries are if I get a clarifying question. Because you're doing a group project, right? And sometimes there's a number of things you have to handle as a group. And you don't want extra information in there. You only want to have information that you need to accomplish your task. Every time there's more information that gets added on, that's not more things you're looking at, there's more things you're thinking about. And frankly, it all it doesn't all matter you're wasting time now thinking like, oh yeah, he did say that, or oh, what about this? Like, no, nah, just just do what you gotta do, and if you get stumped, ask the question. Be like, hey, do you have something for this? Because I say yes, go right ahead. And then from there, there's also some presentation skills. Like, you know, I do this podcast, and over time I've gotten kind of comfortable with it, and I start, talk, I start to talk a little faster. I know that. I'm fully aware of that. I was just talking fast just a minute ago. This is a game that, punishes that like i'm sure if anyone has ever took any form of like public speaking class or any course that requires like presentations or professionalism or whatever like stuff like that you went over and the instructor kind of mentioned about when you're presenting make sure you articulate yourself you speak clearly you're calm you know kind of what i'm doing right now i'm mellowing out though the game keep talking nobody explodes is timed you need to keep this mindset of what I'm doing right now, talking slower. You know, people can understand what I'm saying better in my podcast if I'm speaking clearly and slowing down. Because in this game, you some bombs allows you to have a strike or two before it blows up. Some of them, if you make one error, you're dead. So if you rush through something and say something too fast or you're not clear in what you say... And the expert doesn't ask a clarifying question, and they just go along with it because they think they heard you right. Boom, you could cut the wrong wire, and that's it, game over. Because there wasn't a clear understanding between the two. Now, you know, I'm talking about this, and it could sound stressful, 100% it is. At one point, we were playing with my friends, and my one buddy, his girlfriend, came in the room. And I'm like, oh, hey, you want to play with us when we're done? She's like, no, I'm like having a panic attack just watching you guys play. <laughs> It's obviously not a game for everyone because it's timed, it's stressful, stuff like that. I understand that. Though It's it's totally fun because that stress is what adds to the fun. That you're, tr- you're competing against the clock. The only enemy here is the clock. So it's you and a group of people trying to beat the clock. It's very rewarding because when you disarm the bomb, it's everyone. It's not just the person sitting in front of the bomb. It's the people who had the manuals also. You're working together. And then from there, people start to bounce off one another. Like, I played with uh, some of my high schoolers for a while. And at one point, they started to find out, like, things they are really good with. So at one point, I'd be like, all right, you're always doing wires. Like, I know if I give you wires, I will not have a single problem with it. You will always do symbols. I'm going to give you Morse code. Like, they just picked up on things they knew. And then even from there, like, let's say they each had a module they're working on and I'm checking something else. One of them might say might have said something out loud that I missed, and they'll actually be like, oh, wait, no, that's not right, and correct them real quick. And right there, it's not a correction of, like, being spiteful or mean or anything like that. It's with a healthy intention of completing the test. like, oh, I mentioned that because I heard something you said is incorrect and will lead to our failure, so here's the thing. You know, here's the correct answer or, like, the thing you got to look at or whatever for it. And from there, they'd have fun. You know, I had fun with it. The kids had fun with it. My friends had fun with it. At the end of the day, we had a lot of fun. It might not seem that way in the moment, and I fully understand why, but working together as a team and accomplishing that task in such a unique manner of sitting in front of a computer disarming a bomb while people over there are in front of pieces of paper looking at things and reading things – and then eventually you just you learn how to communicate you learn how to bounce off one another and be like okay you go you wait you got to try it all right what i'm going to do is uh in the description i'm going to link a video i found around the time this game was first released they brought in these two bomb defusal experts who've actually like diffused bombs for a couple years now like in the military so they know what they're doing they sat these two guys down to play the game. One of them had a VR headset with the bomb in front of him. The guy sat next to him with the manual. And they're like, okay, go. I'll link the first video. There is a part two, which will be shown at the very end of the video. You can click on it because YouTube is sometimes smart with those things. And the way that like the video shows exactly what I'm trying to describe here with this game without it in front of me, in terms of like learning that communication, like these two guys show that professionalism with communication. Like during the game, they are 100 percent serious. Like they're checking things like the guy says, uh smiley face, smiley faces, and then the guy asks, wait, a smiley face, a tongue out? Yes, that, Roger. And he knows now, okay, I am looking at the right thing. And then at the end, when they complete it, they all you know, they share a good laugh, they high-five, stuff like that. Like you would never expect that from the way they acted while playing the game with how serious and focused they were. But when they finished they was kind of like having a good laugh, hanging out like enjoy this and at the end they're like yeah we had a lot of fun like at the end of the first video the guy's like yeah it was a lot of fun i want to come back when there's harder modules so i could try again to see if we can get challenged it's it's amazing it, it is amazing what this game has done now there's a there's a second game the second game i want to talk about takes this whole co-op mindset i think it goes just a step further from keep talking nobody explodes all right, like keep talking to Explodes, It's real easy. If one person gets tired of the bomb, you stand up, switch seats to someone else. Unless you're playing online, I have seen that done. Uh, but I feel that's just it's a quick game. You know, you can do a bomb in five minutes, and that's that. Pretty cool. Now, clandestine. Okay, this was released in November of 2015. So same year, month apart. Apparently, 2015 was good for co-op games. Okay, this game is set in the Cold War era, and the players are taking roles of spy agents trying to uncover some mystery you know cold war stuff now right out the gate i'm i just want to make something very clear about this game okay it is it is very rough around the edges it's very shaky in a number of ways okay the animations for the characters aren't that good sometimes they're downright hilarious like the one character the hacker when you're running around hq the way he runs he kind of like swings his arms like to the side and like his knees shoot up it's it's fucking hilarious to watch. So even, like, characters are talking, which it just doesn't look that good with the way they talk. And even, like, the dialogue just isn't 100% on top in terms of, like, how they speak. And the characters are, like, honestly, I don't remember the names. I think Clandestine is the name of the, the female spy character. I honestly can't remember. And in terms of the story, I mean, it's it's a spy story, i can't really remember anything about it uh yeah and in terms of like hq i talk about the hackers running around it looks hilarious well that's all a hacker can do at hq because the spy is the one who goes out in the field she's the one like she can pick equipment she wants in the field she's the one that talks to npcs and stuff like that to initiate the next mission etc etc okay now i said a number of bad things and yeah there are some issues with the game no doubt okay there's even a the bug or two we ran into while playing But why do I then hold this game high enough regard to talk about it here next to Keep Talking Nobody Explodes? Well, I had a shit ton of fun playing this game with a friend of mine. Seriously. I know I just said it a little bit, but I'm being dead serious when I said I had a lot of fun with this. Simply because of the co-op part of the game when you're playing a mission is on point 100% on point okay they hit it out of the park with this okay so before I mentioned a couple things co-op hacker spy stuff like that okay and here's why I'm using those words during a mission one player will be sitting in front of their computer and will be controlling the spy now the spy it plays, like, a standard kind of third-person game. She can be controlled to move around the field. She can only see things that are, like, you know, within the room or your field of view. There's a heads-up display with, like, equipment and stuff like that that you decide to bring with you. You can shoot people, talk people, knock guards out, yada, yada, yada. Your standard kind of, like, spy stuff, okay? Now, on the other hand, the second person, because it is a co-op game, is the hacker. Now, they're sitting in front of a computer screen, and their computer screen is split into four parts. They don't interact with the world at all. Like, they're not in the field. They're sitting behind their computer in-game, and what they're doing is they're handling a number of different things, like looking at cameras. They're trying to break into certain computers or servers to find information. There is a little, like, heads-up uh, heads thing, since the spy doesn't have exactly the ironed-out, like, hood, the hacker will get information related to him that then he must tell the spy. And then also there's, like, this this map of the area. You have almost, like, blueprints, uh, but it's all, like, green and stuff like that, with different icons showing, like, where cameras are, where the spy is, and if you've tagged any enemies, where they're walking around. You can, like, shift through the different floors. you got to put those two things together, the person controlling the spy and the person controlling the hacker, to... Complete the mission. And it's like. my oh god. It's amazing. When I played for the first time. I told my buddy. Straight up. I'm like. I'm going to be the hacker. I really want to play the hacker. And he's like. No that's good. Because I saw the spy. And I really want to do the spy. Because I like. He likes that the, the person set up. So. It was great. We both had our rules. And. While we were playing. I actually asked him like oh, yeah, how does it look for you, by the way? Because it didn't occur to me until later, that, like, he's playing a different game than me. Like, straight up, if I Googled it at one point to check, like, what the spy screen looks like after he was describing it to me, if you were to put an image of the hacker gameplay of Clandestine next to a picture of the spy gameplay from Clandestine without any names, you would think they're totally different games. You, you are playing a totally different game than your friend while you're doing a mission, and it blows me away, that's what blows me away about this, okay, be- oh man, all right, I'm, I got I got a few things like I want to talk about, okay, with this game, I'm like so giddy to talk about it, because you need to rely on your partner, like 100%, if you're trying to, if you're going to complete a mission, your friend needs to be there for you, okay, it's so, like I said before, the spy obviously can see what's in front of her, what's in the room. It's very easy. Like, that's how you work as a person. You look around the room, and you can see all the different stuff. But you're trying to break in somewhere, right? Obviously, the guards aren't going to be happy about that. So how do you know that if I go through this door, there's a guard on the other side? How do I know it's safe? You're like You can't really tell. That's not how eyes work. So the hacker checked the cameras. You know, if there's a camera in that room... Click on the camera, see who's in there, and tell them, yes, it's safe, no, there's a guard. Or if there's, like, two guards, you can ping them. Be like, all right, there's a guard here and there's a guard here. And mark them as one and two, and then it'll pop up on the spy's screen and be like, okay, now I know they're there. But you only ping three people at a time. So there's five guards walking around. This hacker needs to be quick with, like, if there's a guard approaching, they haven't pinged yet. You can say, okay, one is being switched from this guard to this guard. And then, like, the, hacker, the spy be like, okay, I got you. This is actual gameplay. This is what me and my friend were going through. Now, on the flip side, with the spy, sometimes the hacker will need to get to something. You know, there's a certain thing, like, a computer will be off the grid. It won't be on the same server as all the other computers, but there's something in there he really needs. So the spy will have to get to that room and either, like, put this, like, Wi-Fi receiver on the side of it that allows a hacker to get into the computer, or the thing that happened most of the time would be, like, It's a password-secured computer, so the hacker would find a password elsewhere, or the spy would find a password elsewhere, and be like, okay, put this password in, check for these files, download them, boom, you got the MacGuffin, okay? Because as much as the hacker's the computer guy, you can't access every computer if it's not hooked up, so you need to rely on the person who's there, actually, to interact with it, and, oh, man, the multitasking the multitasking is impressive okay like I said in the beginning the hacker has four screens they're looking at now let's say you're on the one screen you're looking at how like you're looking at the server right and there's a computer you want to get into to find some files so you have to break into it now what happens is when you do that this is really important when you do that the screen is then taken over by this little, like hacking thing and then all of the files are displayed for you to look at but that takes up your full screen then, so you can't look at anything else. So you need to clearly indicate to the spy, hey, I'm doing this real quick. Because when I'm looking at this, I'm not looking at the camera. I'm not looking at any, like, feed coming from HQ that might give us some more, more important information. I'm not looking at the map. You know, none of that. I'm looking over here. So when you're not hacking into that, you're instead making sure that the system admin or any other, like, you know, computer fences like firewalls or anything, don't catch the hacker and boot you out because that would be bad, game over, whatever So you're watching that while watching the cameras on the side of it to make sure that no guards sneak up on the spy because if again if she's looking at a computer looking at these files she doesn't know if a guard's coming behind her so you got to watch her back you got to keep an eye on the camera or an eye on the map to make sure no one sneaks up. And on the flip side, the spy, well it's like I said, it's your third person kind of thing. You you need to be aware of everything around you whether it's in the room or it's been pinged by the hacker. Like I said, when the hacker tags somebody. A little number pops up on the spy screen about where that guard is. So you need to be aware if there's any tags, where are those tags? Who walls in the room? Is there any cover for you to use in case an enemy comes into the room for you to hide or take cover? How much ammo do you have? What equipment do you have on you? You're watching all these things as the spy. Now, going forward, keep in mind, I only had a chance to play the hacker. Now, I would happily a reversal with my friend or play this game with another friend... ...to get an experience of playing as a spy, but I want to share some stories that I think give some idea as to the spy gameplay. Because I love the hacker gameplay, and I can talk about the hacker gameplay a lot. But here's where the co-op really shined with me and my friend. I got some good stories, I got some bad stories. So there was this one mission we were doing, and my buddy was excited, he was going to have an easy time... In the beginning, because the spy was going to some fancy party at some dude's mansion to find some information before trying to break into the basement to like open this vault and steal something. Okay. Very typical James Bondy spy movie type stuff. All right. So he was happy. He's like, sweet. I just get to walk around and talk to people because he was constantly like doing missions where he's getting shot at and stuff. So he was ecstatic about that. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, as the hacker, To help with our goal, I was looking around at various computers, like trying to hack into a couple different computers to find bits of information to maybe relay to him and be like, oh, hey, I found out this about this guy, or maybe you can talk about this, or, oh, I found out where the hiding the safe, it's in this room, when you have a chance, go here, things like that. I was trying to get him information that he couldn't find on his own while talking to people. Now, as the mission's going on, eventually, like, there's an old friend or colleague or something of the spies. I think it was, like, she backstabbed her or something like that. But anyway, these two characters had a history. So, of course, in-game, the spy is like, shit, this girl's here. It's the blonde one in the red dress. She can't see me oh his cover's blown. So I'm like, fuck. As the hacker now, I'm, you know, messing around with all these different computers and dodging the admins and stuff like that. I'm now looking – I'm, like, always looking back at the cameras every now and then to – ping the woman in the red dress to be like all right greg don't go into that room greg she's moving to this room okay she's talking to that guy all right you're clear to go so he's bobbing around her a bit and then at one point i got so caught up looking at some files that i closed out the computer i'm like oh shit greg like what do you mean oh shit i'm like i don't know where she is he's like oh fuck and then we're really like i'm looking around trying to find her and he's trying to lay low eventually he he's talking he's like He's walking through a room, and he starts kind of laughing. He's like, oh, nope, not going in there. I found her. And he kind of like starts giggling a little bit and walks out the room like, got it. And he told me exactly where she was, and then I got tabs on her again. And the rest of the mission then went off without a hitch. Like, we had that little slip-up, but he got my back, and it made life a lot easier. Now, another story I want to share about how co-op can go south. <laughs> did not have a happy ending like that story did. It was one of the later missions, and it... It was disastrous, and this really shows how these kind of games with this asymmetric gameplay really push players to make sure communication is happening. All right, I'm kind of dicking around with some of the computers, and I was curious. I'm like, oh, there might be something important on one of these computers, so I want to check it out real quick. Now, my buddy Greg just took down some guards. The room was safe. I'm like, all right, Greg, give me a second. I want to go check something real quick. So I'm hacking into the computer, and I get the files pulled up, and I'm looking at the files real quick, and then suddenly greg starts shouting at me he's like shit john you didn't tell me there were guys in the the next room i'm getting shot at here where should i go he starts to panic and immediately I close out the files i'm looking at the camera like what the fuck do you mean you're getting shot at i didn't say to move i didn't tell you anything fuck i gotta find a way for you to get out now give me a second so he's trying to fight off these guards and there's a lot of them i'm panicking now trying to look for him to get a way out you know eventually he died we failed and as soon as he died we just started laughing at each other we we were just laughing our, our asses off at what just happened cuz it went so horribly wrong and i'm like greg next time i want to make it clear if i'm looking at something don't move so then in the mission we reached that point again where he like everything kind of went fucked and i was like okay greg i was trying to him like greg don't move i'm going to go look at something now okay If something happens, it's your fault. And so he laughs a little bit, and I'm done looking at the file. I'm like, okay, I'm good. He's like, all right, John, I'm going to open the door now. Please check on the others. Like, we were teasing each other a little bit in good humor, and in the end, the mission went off without a hitch after that first blunder. So right here, God, if you have a chance to play clandestine, it's like 20 bucks on Steam. You can play it single player, and you'd hop between playing as a spy and the hacker, like, freely to make sure you can take care of various things. But it's definitely, definitely, definitely a game that you get the most experience out of it playing with a friend because of that communication. And, you know, kind of with Keep Talking Nobody Explodes where a person will eventually get comfortable with certain modules. You get comfortable with your role. At one point, we're like nearing the end of the game. And I was like, oh, wait, Greg, before you start the next mission, give me a second. I'm going to reheat some Chinese food. (laughs) And I just, I was telling the story later and we were laughing about it. I reheated the Chinese food, and I was so comfortable with being the hacker and watching all of this shit happening on the screen at the same time that as I'm eating Chinese food, I breezed through and hacked into all the computers that I needed to, and I found all this information. I had it all typed out uh, up on this, like, this little – the one screen is like information panel. I had it all typed up there and sent it all to Greg, my buddy Greg, so the spy had it ready. It was all typed up and ready. And I just leaned back in my chair, and I started eating Chinese, just scooping Chinese food into my face. I'm like, all right, Greg, have fun. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm good. Like, I'll just watch the cameras, man, but you got all the information you need. Just don't get shot. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there, stuffing my face with Chinese food, clicking on an occasional camera. He's like, all right, John, I'm moving forward. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're good. Go ahead, just stuffing my face with Chinese food. It, we kind of, like, embraced the role that we picked, I feel like. Yes, I was still attentive. And yes, in the very beginning, I was all over the place making sure everything was happening. But once I felt I did enough work on my end that I was, like, satisfied and we had enough information, I, I'm i the hacker. I kick back. My life's not being threatened. There's no one trying to kill me right now. I'm back at HQ. Totally safe and fine. And then at one point, he ran something like, oh, wait, we didn't get this. I'm like, oh, we didn't? Oh, okay, hold on. And I had to, like, lean in. Shh. Okay, go go ahead. And then during the party uh, mission, since Greg was so comfortable being the spy, he was doing like, the same thing. He was just kind of like leaning back with his has control in his hand, just moving around, not caring. While I'm sitting here, like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, it was great. It, it even with all those flaws, and even the flaws, like the funny graphics, kind of helped out a little bit with our enjoyment because we had a good laugh about it. Like during the not so compelling cutscenes to progress the story, which again. It's nothing to write home about. It's your spy thriller from the Cold War. So, when there's like, there was some funny animation and some bad written dialogue, we kind of like laughed about it. Like, all right, all right, let's get to the mission. Like, we just, we really wanted to play the missions. As much as the story, yes, is part of the game, it's what's moving the narrative forward. We really wanted to play those missions every single time. So, get the game. I swear to you, get the game, play with a friend. You'll have a blast with how. Well done the co-op is with it. Like, I can safely say I've never played a game, board game or not, you know, board game, video game, card game, whatever, I've never played a game that has such unique co-op elements to it. So, here's the thing. Talked about Keep Talking, Nobody Explodes. Talked about Clandestine. And, like, the number one important lesson that these games teach, besides, like, clear communication team building and all this kind of stuff. Straight up, just having fun while remaining calm. All right, when you're trying to complete a task, no matter how difficult the task is, it's important to keep calm. Like, when things went south and clandestine, and me and my friends started panicking, or when the bomb blows up and keep talking, nobody explodes because there was a miscommunication and the wrong wire got cut and we lost. You know, in the end, my friends and I just laughed about it. You know? We might be like, "Oh fuck! Oh shit!" Blah, 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 blah. But in the end, we're kind of like, "Eh, that was funny. You know, we just had a good laugh." Like, "All right, we know why we failed. We went over and like, yeah, we we fucked up right there. All right, let's just go back and do it again." And we'd jump, we'd hop back in, and boom, complete the mission. And that was that. No bad blood. Like, there there was no bad blood because if you let bad blood get between you and your friends, it's not healthy. Like, you no longer have fun. You start to tear each other apart. It's it's all sort of negative. And also with like the having fun and remaining calm. I try my best when talking about these stories to use the word we. We did this. Even though we have different roles in the game, it is team building, and getting to the goal requires work between the two of us, so it's not what I have to do. Even if what I am doing, I'm checking those cameras, I'm hacking that computer, I'm checking the manual to tell you what wire to cut, it's still a we part, because I would have never had that information if you didn't give it to me, and... We can never complete the goal until you interact with it from what I'm telling you. So the word we has a lot of power. It really does. I'm, I'm being serious. The word we and the word but, B-U-T, have a lot of power. We in the positive aspect of saying we are working together to do something. And but very negatively. And I was told by a college professor once that when you say the word but, everything that comes before it, is a mute point and no longer matters use words like however yet stuff like that because when you use those words it still is like okay i heard what you said before i understand your idea yada 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 what if we added this however have you thought about this immediately it's showing like you're acknowledging what the other person has to say and giving them credit for the thought While adding something else to it, giving back criticism, building on to it, positive reinforcement, whatever it is, it's saying, yes, what you're saying is good to go. Let's add to it. And I did it once with a kid. You know, I was looking over a kid's essay during summer school, and I'm like, hey, this is really good. He's like, yeah, but now you're going to say, but, and tell me what's wrong with him. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is really good. However, did you think about adding this to this paragraph? And he kind of gave me a look real quick and paused. And he took his essay back, and he he kept writing and redid parts of his essay and gave it back to me. I'm like, this is amazing now. Right there, that power of not saying but and saying, hey, let's work on this. You and me, we are going to look at this. He wanted to continue work. In these games that you play, these co-op games, when you say, what can we do? Hey, did you think about this? However, yet doing that, these games foster that kind of communication – and welcome those dialogues to better yourself, honestly. Give Clandestine and Keep Talking to Away Explodes a shot. They are very unique, asymmetrical co-op experiences that ask a player to bring something to the table that's completely different than someone else. And I really, really hope we get more games like them in the future. Now, at this time, this is going up on Sunday, the Standard Time, We just had an episode go up on Saturday. So if you listen to the Saturday episode and then this episode, this is my second time saying, enjoy your week. You know? Next time will be something. Actually, wait. Next time is going to be the weekend of the 10th and the 11th, okay? So August 10th and August 11th is the Play NYC event happening at the Manhattan Pavilion, I believe, in New York City. It's from 11 to 6 o'clock, and by God, I'm going to be there from 11 to 6 o'clock both days because I have a ticket for both days. So what that means... I will not be doing anything in advance for Sunday. Instead, what I want to do is I want to give recaps, kind of like how I did with the uh, Game Devs Expo, Game Devs Color Expo. So expect, for the second week in a row, a Saturday-Sunday episode, but it'll be going up late. I'm talking like 8, 9 o'clock at night, Eastern Standard Time, after I get home and settle in and everything and give some recaps. So expect that for the 10th and the 11th, and then come the week after that, August 18th, that is... Back to a normal scheduled program kind of thing, all right? So that's just a quick update for everyone. Thank you again for listening. I got the Twitter. I got the Facebook. Uh, so Facebook, just Gaming Couch Podcast, really easy to find. And then on the flip side, Twitter, because people have done stuff before me, I had to do G underscore C underscore podcast. I know it's a fucking mouthful of a Twitter handle. In the future, I'm going to look at possibly making it better. We'll see. But I'm on the Twitter. I'm on the Facebook Links to those are in the profile on Anchor. So, yep, hit me up at any time. And survive this heat. I am going to turn my fan on because I am sweating now. So take care.